church has left the building. Church, anywhere, any day, anytime. Welcome back to another episode of the Epic Nation podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Marcus Warroja, PM is what they call me. And you're in for a treat. You get a chance to peek into our midweek virtual interactive Bible study. You can join from anywhere in the world. Did you not just hear me say church has left the building church anywhere, any day, any time? So wherever you are with a Wi-Fi signal, you can be a part of the Epic Nation. That's all you need. You don't have to worry about what you wear. You don't have to worry about what you do. All you need is a Wi-Fi signal. You can be a part of the Epic Nation. So we're going to let you peek into our midweek. And normally we like to take Sundays for listening, writing notes, and Wednesdays for learning, where it's interactive, you can ask questions. But we decided on this, on the Wednesday you're about to hear right now, to unpack something that we taught earlier on in the year, relationship theology. But we're going to tie it into the series we're in. So listen to tonight's virtual interactive Bible study, the lifestyle of both relationship and resources. The lifestyle of relationship and resources. I hope you enjoy it. And if this is your first time and someone shared this with you, a friend, a coworker, number one, they love you. If they share this with you, they love you. You need to send them a thank you card, add them on the Christmas list for this year because they gave you something great. But I'm going to ask you whether you're whether you're hearing this for the first time or if you are a partner of the Epic Nation. Let me say to you, your pastor loves you. I want you to make sure that you share this with someone. Most importantly. That's the only thing we're asking you for. If this is a blessing to you, it'll be a blessing to someone else. And it's a shame to be stingy with something you receive for free. So take what you got for free and give it to someone else so it can bless them. All right. Enjoy today's message. I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay. So, of course, we've been in this conversation of the lifestyle and the rich and famous. And one of the big things I want us to think about when we're having this conversation is... Think through, think through this whole idea or reality of, please, everybody hear me. All the stuff we talk about kind of go hand, hand in hand and connect to one another. So when we have the conversation about relationship theology, everybody remember that one? Relationship theology, we were framing for quite some time the lens or the glasses for which I see God, see the Bible, see life. Like if my perspective, my viewpoint of life doesn't allow me to see God as any more than the man in the man upstairs, the God in the sky, if he's so far away that he's not actively involved in my day to day life, I lock him out of the areas that I don't perceive him in. If I perceive God as distant, then I will respond to God as distant. If I perceive my life as or the world as something that one theologian describes describes it and says that some, many people under the belief system of different types of faith believe that believe in God as the creator, but don't believe in him as father. Every person you know that names Christianity don't see him as the same. As creator, they believe almost as if he winded up the world like a person sets a timer and just let it go. And when the world's supposed to end, it ends because the creator decided it's end date, but no active involvement in my day-to-day life. That's not clear relationship theology, because if he didn't, if he does not account for, remember now, if he doesn't account for my mess, if he don't account for my good, for my bad, for bad decisions, good decisions, and people's decisions, God wouldn't rob me, rob me of the opportunity set in motion from the foundation of the world based on what on a decision someone makes or don't make. I've said this to someone: Do you believe that the sum total of my blessings is tied to your stinginess? <laughs> No, he's too good of a God for that. So what you don't give, he'll bless somebody else with more so they can give it to me. You had an option to be a bank for God he, that he could test you, see if he can trust you. And if you released it, it would have changed your life. Since you didn't, it, it still ain't going to change mine, but someone else has it. See, relationship theology allows this lens that says any intricate detail of my life, like a true loving father. This is what Jesus was trying to get us to see. With the Lord, with the Lord's prayer, etc., our Father which art in heaven, He tried to move us away from the religious system of a priest going in or a temple where I felt far from Him, to the relationship theology that everything I see in my world, including myself, I see through the lens of God. Now, if you understand relationship theology, then you clearly begin to understand what we're teaching now in lifestyle, because that means that God has a lifestyle that He wants me to live that best represents him. 
One that is not absent of anything that heaven is not absent of. Whatever heaven is not worried about, he does not want me to worry about. So there must be a earthly prescription for anything I face in my life. If, now, it's not, it's not that the human experience is without pain. Please don't believe that, that faith is a fairy tale. Faith is not a Disney story, but even those come with a villain in each one of them. So I'm saying to us, faith is not a fairy tale, but one thing that is certain, there is a prescription for every sickness, every ill, every problem, every moment of my life. So when I have a perspective on God, I can now use the prescription of my relationship to figure out for what I'm going through or currently facing. If this is not the lifestyle that he has for me, what is the prescription to this problem? Now, waiting is, please hear this, waiting and or time is something that is only relevant to your earthly experience. It is not something that is relevant to heaven. So if waiting is something that you're currently frustrated about, there must be something God is trying to teach me as a prescription to lend itself for me to be ready for the lifestyle he has for me. Because you got to think. Me waiting is, has nothing to do with God's preparation because he's already done everything. Me waiting has nothing to do with God's inability to perform it because he can perform anything. Me waiting has nothing to do with the limited, limited ability of God's understanding because he does not need to be informed. See how my perspective on God helps me see, see my life differently? So anytime I'm waiting on something, I've got to ask myself, what is this a prescription for? That makes me ready for the lifestyle he has for me. Oh my God. Frustrations, sickness, sadness, or some of it could, could clearly be, some things could clearly be the idea of in a season of my life, I have sold a series of, of indecision, bad decisions, etc., And I'm experiencing my, in my waiting process, my reaping. Because the same God who created my life said, as long as the earth remain, there will always be seed time and harvest. He also said, talks about reaping and sowing. It is the most powerful principle of all the earth. So just like people say karma, reap what you sow, all these other things, you do realize even if you are, I've said this to you before, and then I'll move forward into, into deeper with tonight. Even if I have had my heart broken, and in an attempt to protect myself from being hurt again, I hurt someone else. I sowed a seed that now makes me wait on love. It doesn't matter that I was hurt the reason why I did it. But the fact that I sowed a seed that harmed someone, I am still obligated to reaping what I sow, even though I only did it to protect myself. Yeah, but you blocked love. Someone sowed a seed of love. You sowed a seed of hurt. But God, I only did it because I was hurt before. Yeah, but you should have gave it to me and let me heal you. Oh, are y'all kidding this? This is the most vicious cycle of the enemy to rob us of the lifestyle that God has for us. The vicious cycle of the enemy is for us to now carry the weight or the ignorance or the pain and then sow a seed that keeps us or robs us from what God has for us. If you ever understand this, it is, I would, I would venture to say it is the, it is the most brilliant plan the enemy has because we believe that we are exonerated or released from any seed we sow if we did it because, and have a good reason, but the reason doesn't matter. The principle remains. This is what robs the believer. Even if I'm going, I'm say across the board, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual. You cannot take from something, give nothing to it, and expect to receive. You can't rob someone of what they desperately need in an attempt for them to give you what you desperately need. Whether it be friend, the Bible's principle doesn't change. What does it say if I'm lonely and need a friend? He that wants a friend must first show himself friendly. It says that about giving. It's, you know, you know, one of the other more powerful scriptures, see how all this ties into the lifestyle, like missing and messing up these principles could ruin, could literally rob us of heaven's best for us. So here's another powerful principle. The Bible tells me anything you have, anything you do to a person, to the, to a person, the Bible talks about the least of these you've done to me. 
It said, Jesus is explaining to us that God sees your treatment to people as your treatment to him. He cares so much about it that he says, if you realize that you got a problem with your brother in your heart, before you even finish your prayer, go get it right with them, then come back. I'm going to say it one more time. He, this, this whole relationship, no matter how I feel about people, this ties us into Sunday. This is not what I expected. Is that if you got an ought with your brother or a problem with your brother and or your sister, stop praying to me until you go get that right. Whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Let's go further. He then says that if, if you don't, he said, he talks about forgiveness and says, in the same measure you've given it to them, God gives it to you. Hold on. So you hold in parallel the sowing of my relationship to people, the releasing of God's relationship to me. So it, keeping that as a principle, is it absolutely possible that what we've been robbed of in terms of lifestyle is based on how we feel about people? That's a powerful principle. I'm trying to get us to stop violating principles while standing in need, praying to God for, for things. Because no matter how hard you pray, you cannot stand with the need and pray while you violate principle. Say it one more time, Marcus. That's that base. You can't stand in a need. Cry out to God based on a need in prayer while you violate principle. We know this about gravity, but the same thing exists with everything we pray for. Whether it be money, relationship, friendship, spirituality, a pastor, a church, you cannot stand with the need and pray about it while you violate the very principle that the, that the Bible backs your prayers. So all of these things must be reconciled for us to truly live the lifestyle that God has for us. That, okay, let's, let's rock. Let's rock. So Sunday, we jumped off into a beautiful conversation. And let me also say to E, thank you so much. Last week, holding it down with the visuals, all that. You got everybody bothering me about these visuals. Like, well, can we do more of that where we can kind of see it? Because I'm a visual learner. <laughs> yeah. Hush, Christian. Everybody was like, well, you know, I said, okay, I got a few things. I can't teach the whole time with visuals. Because it'll sound too presentation to me, but I can go back and forth. I'll take my main principle and give y'all visuals. We'll do that. Okay. We'll do that. But phenomenal job. Okay. So Sunday we talked about lifestyle. We, excuse me. This is not what I expected was the, was the thought we were after. And when you hear that, you think negatively. This is not what I expected. You say, yeah, I didn't expect this. And your mind drifts to negative. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. There is this relationship we have with familiarity while praying for a change of the familiar. It is, it is an oxymoron. We pray for new. We pray for change. We pray for something different, new relationships, new money, new opportunities. But simultaneously, while being in prayer or, or celebrating or wanting new, we hold on for dear life to what is the familiar. And in order for something to change, whether it be December 31st is a celebratory moment for every person. Even now, 2020, I know y'all turn it up on December 31st. Like, whoo, <laughs> so season finale, get me out of here. <laughs> right. But that feeling happens every year. Would we agree? Every year, or something different. There's a different feeling you have around December 31st because there is a feeling associated with new. That make that brings for us something celebratory. It makes us feel as if we're leaving out of one place, walking into a new place, and we're going to experience new things. But the the oxymoron, the 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 it's like pulling something and pushing at the same time, is that we anytime life around us or things or people change, whether it's someone that we don't even enjoy when they leave our lives, we grieve what we didn't even want to stay anymore. We can be in a toxic relationship and normal. we will normalize not having what we need. How crazy is it? There was a day in time, ladies and gentlemen, that you would literally pick up your phone and continue to call someone back after they hung up in your face, knowing that the conversation was already over. They're going to answer this phone. Now, you know you don't have nothing positive to say, and the energy that's built up in you is to communicate something that you know even in the communication, it will not change the situation. Because we hold on to what is familiar. You, there, I mean, just think about it. 
How much of what you wanted and needed throughout life did you live without and settled for and actually had the nerve to make up reasons for which you hold on to it? It is not what you want, but it is what you know and what you're familiar with. So I'll say it again. It's not what you want, but it's what you know and what you're familiar with. I have in my own space of an entrepreneur, I hated working with authors, but did it for years because it paid well. And how crazy am I? To leave a job I hate to start a business that I also hate because money's connected to it. It's, it is this idea because when you think about it, we gravitate to, hold on to for dear life, the familiar, while praying for God to deliver to us something that is different from our norm. We get we panic in the instability, that place where I just don't know what's next. I don't know what decision to make, but you're praying for that. You are living in the initial processes of your answer prayer, but it's, it's, it's scaring you half to death. You panic because I don't know this. I knew that, although I didn't like that, but I knew it well. It was painful, but it was the pain I had grown accustomed to living with. It was uncomfortable, but it was the comfort I had, had grown accustomed to. You can build a world around poverty. Not having enough can become the norm and you can build a world around it. I know people who learn how to float bad checks. They had learned the system of how to of how to make sure, okay, my check hit on this date, okay, boom, 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 come back on that day, or right, it's gonna cost this. You can build a system around any any aspect of dysfunction or normalcy. Why do I build this premise tonight as we lead back into the message on Sunday of this is not what I expected? Because when, to say this is not what I expected, it is not a negative. When God brings to me something new, it will not look like what I expected because I did not expect what God expected. I had never lived in according to his thoughts. I have prayed according to the images of my mind. And God, if God is going to, whenever you hear the scripture, you get excited. Now he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what I could ask or think. If he's going to do what I didn't ask for and what I didn't think, how will I know what it looks like when it comes to me? It will not look like what I expected because I didn't ask for it because I didn't know to ask and I didn't even think about it. God thought about it, spoke it into existence, and I and he created my, my scenario to build me to become the person that would attract what belonged to me. My prayer going into September was, God, make me ready for what you already given me. God make me ready for what you've already given me. He's already given me everything that I'm going to pray for over the next three months, but my prayer will be birthed by desire. There's something I'm going to pray in October. I don't even know it yet. There's something I'm going to pray about in November. I don't even know it yet, but God's already released it, but he's going to let something cross my path. That's going to spark a thought. That's going to make me pray it. But the question I'm asking them in advance, make me ready for what you've already given me. That's all this whole thing is. The lifestyle has already been created. The gift, the resources, whatever it is I need has already been created. So what he has to do then, if he's already created it, he just got to set the precedent, set the stage to make me ready for what's already been created. It's already mine. It's already been given. It's already been released, but it won't look like what I expected. I have got to feel comfortable. Please, everybody, let me pause right here. Why do I keep talking about instability? What does this tie us back to? Let's see who's been listening. This aspect of instability, I mentioned it to you. It was important. It was an aspect of one of the ways God works on you. Come on, talk to me. Unmute yourself, talk to me. Even if you're new to the conversation, you'll get a chance to catch up and hear it. What does this relate to? Resistance, uh huh. Come on, Lex. Come on. What does this relate to? Come on, E. Come on, anyone else? God is my him friend. being a trainer. Absolutely, him being a trainer. And when God is a trainer, what aspect of of God developing you is that? Is He working on you, in you, or through you? When God is working as a teacher or a trainer, what aspect of your of your process to becoming who you need to be is that? Absolutely. So let's say it again. When God is working on me, two distinctive things that happens in that process. 
He is educating me and or teaching me using life experiences. If I don't discern through my everyday life experiences that God is educating me through them, I will miss moments and opportunities to, to become better. I will constantly fail life tests and won't become who I need to be. Him as a trainer puts me in environments of instability to work out the muscles or my strength to be able to apply what I learned. That's when he's working on me. When he's working in me, it is that harmonious blend between the God in me and the me in me. When he's working through me, I pass the test of him working on me. I pass the test of him working in me. Now he can use me to help others. These are the aspects of that whole spiritual discernment piece. And it's critical because that's when I can now position my life. Remember, it's already created, but make me ready for what you created. How does he make me ready? Working on me, working in me, working through me. Y'all, are we connecting this? We're connecting these dots. Now I can perceive God in everyday life experiences. It could be a random conversation or random things, but my now my perspective, the lens for which I view life, view everything, now I see him clearly. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let's now deal with this whole expectation piece. And I talked, I talked to you on Sunday. It's not what I expected. And explain to you one of one does anyone remember this concept? Petty perspective. Yeah, buddy, y'all been listening. Y'all been listening. You're going to learn now, if you miss a Wednesday or a Sunday, you miss a lot because everything connects. Nothing wasted, nothing miss it, missing. I'm locked and loaded, ready for y'all every week, and it's building blocks. So if you miss a week, you miss a lot. That's why we're making sure it's on the podcast so you can go back and listen. What is petty perspective? Can anybody give me that? What is petty perspective? Let's see who took some notes on Sunday. What's a petty perspective? One of the major ways that I miss out and don't and don't see God in things. When we talk about it's not what I expected, where I miss what God is doing. I miss my answer prayer from a petty perspective. What is it? Someone tell it to me. What is a petty perspective? It's when you major in minors. Mm. That's what you said when you major in minor things. Absolutely. Where you major on minor things. So the small, minute things distract me and get my attention, forcing me to miss the big things. What's a great biblical example of this? What if Moses was so consumed with the day-to-day monotony of 40 years of, of leading sheep that he missed the burning bush? A petty perspective won't allow him to turn aside to see why the bush is not consumed. Why is it important? This is Exodus 3. Why is it important that the bush is not consumed? Because what has to happen in your experience with God, this ties it all together. You have got to be able to see spiritual things and ordinary things. A burning bush is an ordinary thing. The heat index of that time, bushes caught on fire every day. What was different about that one? His ability to release himself from a petty perspective of, of, of ignoring or focusing on minor things that don't, mat, don't matter in the major scheme of things and still be able to perceive God in my professional life or day-to-day life, in my relationship life. Can I see God through the dysfunction of people? Uh, can I see God? Can I see God? Absolutely. Can I see God in all these things? It is not always. Now, here's, here's a big, big, big part of it. What I mean, when I talk about petty perspective, be, be honest, you, you, on a, on a day-to-day basis, you find yourself naturally drawn to the things that aggravate you versus the things that don't aggravate you or the things and people you love that gets your attention. So you'll look up and a, and a whole lot of things could be going well or going right, but you'll be distracted quickly by the things that are not. This is one of the greater, greater plans, right? This petty perspective piece, because now I, I, I am now, I, I posted this on Instagram, but I want to give it to you. I hope I can remember the way I said it. 
Everyone hears this whole thing of manifesting. Yeah, I wrote down things on my vision board, man. This month, I'm expecting God to give me 10,000, 15,000, 3,000, or a job, or this, this, and this. Okay, me and the family have been praying on this. We've been doing this. These ideas of manifestation that we are expecting from God. Here is what I said. What manifests in your life, please never forget this, because I want to help us understand what's robbing us of the lifestyle. It is not, don't stop blaming God. Stop blaming them. Hold on for a second. What principle am I violating? Like, what principle am I violating? So let's look at this. When you talk about manifesting, you will manifest in your life the thing that you consistently think and do. Whatever you consistently think and do will be the thing that you manifest. Say it again for the people in the back, Marcus. Whatever you think and do will be the thing that you manifest. So if there is a large number of people who consistently think and do social media, they don't think and do what they are actually writing down or hoping to manifest. But they blame God for what they don't consistently think or do. And here was my major statement. Why would God give me what I'm not even willing to give my attention to? I'm not even willing to pay the price of my attention. Why would he bring something or someone into my life that I wasn't even willing to pay attention to it before it came? Because your thoughts is a seed. So every time I think on these things, Joshua 1, when he says this book of the law shall not depart from you, but you but he talks about meditating on it day and night. And he tells him, tells him, as a result of his med meditation, you will have good success. This is what God says to Joshua. Tells him not to be afraid and to meditate on it day and night. This book of the law shall not depart from you. Meditate on day and night. And he says, and you'll have good success. Psalms 1, same thing. Both deals with whatever you do shall prosper. Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in due season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Prosperity and the doing is connected to the meditation of what I consistently think, what I consistently do, will be what I consistently produce. And the Bible says in Psalms 1, whatever you do prosper, how could God make a blanket statement that whatever I do prosper? Because whatever I consistently think, whatever I consistently do will be the manifestation of my life. Oh, my God, boy, you I'm back like I never left. You're teaching tonight, boy. Oh, if you understand this, you immediately move out of, out of this place of viol of standing in need of God's blessings while violating God's principles. Huh? You move out of this space of standing in need of God's blessing while violating God's principles. Could you imagine someone cursing you out while asking you to borrow money? <laughs> oh, could you imagine someone not speaking to you and, and you and you they sitting there looking? And you say, "Are you hungry or not?" And they keep looking, and say, "Would you just go get the food?" Well, no, not with that attitude. We can see it on a human on a human level. Every example I just made, you can see. Coworker comes up all day long. You find out she's been gossiping about you. You ask her about it. She say, yeah, I said it. Then later on, come and say, hey, I really need your help with this assignment. Did our boss tell us to do it? No, but I need your help. Are you inclined to help? No, because she violated the principle of loyalty, respect, honor. The same human principles you demand, God demands for you to live the lifestyle I'm trying to preach to you. How do I, if it's a relationship, back to my beginning, violate God's, God's principles while praying to him for his blessings? It won't look like what I expected. <laughs> Until I get into alignment, petty perspective, focus on the minor. Oh, yeah, it focuses on the minor things. That's what a petty perspective does. It, it focuses on the minor. So now let's lead to something powerful. Everybody ready to learn some more? We got a few more minutes. Everybody ready to learn something very powerful tonight? 
Y'all ready? This is going to be powerful. These are my visuals for the night. This is going to be my visuals for the night. This is a very, very powerful principle I want everyone to learn. Okay, let me see if I can get my get my little slides right. Thanks to E, now I'm, obliga- I'm now obligated <laughs> to teach principles using slides. Thanks a lot. All right. Michelle even said it. Like, hey, so Pim, um, quick question. Um, <laughs> all right. We talked about that. So somebody talked to me really quick. What is spiritual discernment? Can we can we can we talk to this? What is spiritual discernment? One of the major things, let me speak to vision while you all are getting ready to unmute yourself and tell me this. One of the major things that is the Epic Nations assignment is to take all these religious terms out of a religious context and redefine them into plain language. All right, Marcus, say it differently. How do you take church jargon, church language, and transpose it into everyday language? That's what one of our major assignments. So when you say, man, you know, I'm just trying to do the will of God. Remember, we redefine the will of God because when you say it, it sounds good to the church ear. But most people couldn't tell you what that is. Yeah, I'm just believing by faith. OK, to the person who don't know what that is, believing by faith. How do you define that? So one of our visions and our major assignment as a church is to not speak church needs or religious jargon but to speak everyday language and follow principles that gets us results. Because a lot of that church language don't do nothing but get us a, a bunch of touch your neighbor, but Corona kind of canceled that. So, so what we've got to move ourselves to is move out of the language of just church jargon into the principle. Because I truly believe anything I believe in any principle I follow should produce a result. I turn on my stove, put hot water and put water on it. It turns hot. That's something I did, some result I get. With your faith, what is the thing you do and the result you get? If there is nothing, it's not a true belief and it's not a true principle follow. Are we getting this? If you get these concepts and start living this stuff, not just talking it, you live in a whole nother way. You, you, you no longer live in this place that you, that you are praying for, praying for things that you can cut a check on. You, you move out of that space of begging and pleading and you move into a space of dominance. So somebody talk to me, man, in the words of Jay-Z, what is spiritual discernment? Thank God in my world. I like it. Somebody give me something else. What's spiritual discernment? How do you define it? Seeing natural things around me and recognizing God in them. I love it. I love it. I love it. Anybody else got one for me? What's spiritual discernment? The distinction between God's truth and, and what's not God's truth. Mm, I like that one too. I like all of those. I like all of those. So when we take that, right? If we were to take an everyday example and we were talking to someone and they don't know what none of this stuff is and you tell you, your partner and you sitting around kicking it and he say, yo man, whatever happened to Shawty that you was talking to? I'm in the A, so I got to talk like this for a second. Hey, 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 bro, what happened to Shouty you was talking to? You know what I'm saying? Shout Shouty, you know, Shouty, Shouty, um, with the, with long hair, you know what I'm saying? Dark skin. Oh, yeah, yeah. I spiritually discerned she wasn't the one. <laughs> what does he like? Spirit, spiritually discern what, what, what that is? What, what that is? How would you explain that? If you were dating someone. Come on, everybody, talk to me. This is the type of teaching we're going to do in this series because you have to learn how to communicate your faith and to use these principles to unlock and to live the life God has for you. Somebody asks you about a job and it's, man, I, oh, I decided to quit. You spiritually discerned, like I felt like my season was up is the way you would say it. That means you spiritually discerned that season was over. But if someone asked you or if you had to define it, what would that sound like? So let's take those two examples. Spiritual discernment in relation relate in relationship to relationship and to job. How would you describe it? Oh, we cooking. Come on, somebody. I mean, the way the world says about relationships is just red flags, right? I noticed some red flags. I like and it. You drop it. So you, you notice red flags. That's what you saw with your natural eye. But what was the spiritual side of that? You noticed the red flags. Was it something that God spoke to you? Was it a feeling? Was it this? And I love that, E. Somebody else, chime in. Come on, hop in. Give me two. We're doing one or two. Give me either the work example or the spirit or the spiritual side of it. So on, somebody jump in. I can, I can speak to like the work example. So I, for me, it wasn't working with school. Like I was working with my friends, but I wasn't working with my 
and like I was I had that feeling of like I'm just so unhappy and just so like miserable and it kept like um it it would not go away like I like there was nothing I could do to escape that feeling no matter how hard I tried to make it work and you know I tried to do this I tried to do that it just wouldn't it wasn't happening so like I had to make a change like I had no choice I love it. I love it. So now when everybody hears that, everyone can, can, can completely relate to that, can completely feel that, right? Now, had she said, you know, I was working, I spiritually discerned that it was time to do something different. She robbed someone of a testimony and an opportunity to live out her lifestyle and represent God. What I'm trying to get us to as a church, this is our assignment to redefine church. When you redefine these terms, Hearing her story resonates better, opens up a conversation that leads for us to down change our perspective and the perspective of the people around us to see God in their life. Oh, man, that's powerful. Is everybody getting that? For the sake of time, let's cook. For the sake of time, let's cook. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. Let's move. I, I feel that thing. I'm feeling feeling real Chris Paul, real Chris Paul LeBron-ish. I'm feeling like I'm in my zone right now. <laughs> feeling, feeling, feeling real triple-double-ish. Okay. So here's the good part. So we went through spiritual discernment. Here is the power of it. There is this, con this continuum, this continuum between who you were created to be and who you were told to be. Because remember, we were talking about spiritual discernment should lead to self-awareness. Spiritual discernment should lead to self-awareness. Spiritual discernment is how God communicates with me in my world for me to see him in it. Self-awareness is how I process that information and communicate to myself and express it. So I discern God, but I also need to know me <laughs> to express those things. So spiritual discernment should lead to self-awareness, that I'm aware of my, my core values, my personal truth, which I'm going to get into in a second. I'm aware of the narrative of my life, the story I tell me, my personality, the education of my personality. So who you were created to be and the continuum between that and who you were told to be oftentimes gets convoluted. So let's talk about it. Here is how it, it is done. Words and thoughts fill this continuum. So who you were created to be was done by God. It was expressed to you and you discern it because you didn't hear it with an audible voice. Who you were told to be are the things that happen every day in your natural world. So what, ha what happens is in between this continuum, what I buy into, the personality I embrace, the personal truth that I believe, which Will Policy and I will talk about, deals with the words and thoughts that are filled within this space. When you hear me talk about words and thoughts, I am talking about the things that make up my personal truth that is expressed through my personality. Teach it, boy, and go slow. When you hear me talk about these things, what I become, this becoming part, who you were created to be and who you were told to be, words and thoughts are being fueled to me every day. That that takes up or consumes my mind because I will manifest what I think and what I, what I consistently think and what I consistently do. So if the words and thoughts that I believe as a truth, a.k.a. please write this down, your personal truth. Your personal truth. So if the words and thoughts of my personal truth are created and create a narrative or a story for me, I express them through my personality, through my person. I could be expressing and living a lie. Because the words and thoughts that I believe to create my personal truth were a lie to begin with. They were what I was told to be, not what I was created to be. Mmm. Mmm. If you're not careful, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not careful, Epic family, I say this often as an example, someone will meet you while you're a caterpillar and convince you to never become a butterfly. Because the personal truth you believe is that a butterfly is a character defect. So you will never become it. You'll stay in the cocoon of a caterpillar crawling when you got the potential to fly. Because you'll believe the lie that that is a character trait instead of the evolution of life. There are certain things in your life that you will assume based on words and thoughts. A, and a lie that is a personal truth that you believe that is, that is inaccurate will convince you 
to shy away from who you were created to be, to hold on to who you were told to be. Oh, God, help me, help me. I don't want to go into this. Okay, uh, here, let me, let me go into this next piece. Let me go into this next piece. We're going to this next piece. All right, that's all y'all getting in terms of slides. So that's all I needed visually for y'all to see. Did we get these visuals? Michelle, did you, did you, did you, get, did you, did you get the visual? Did it, make, did it make it make sense to you? Okay. Oh, my bad. I got a bunch of stuff on this thing. What about now? Are we better? Okay, let me stop playing with that stuff. Bye. Bye. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's like, we got some noise right there. Okay. Here. She said, you have the visuals, but not the audio. I'm telling you. It... <laughs> Love Michelle. She's like, ah, uh, no. <laughs> we just can't. Love you. I'm talking about just can't, just can't get right with y'all, boy. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Hold on. Uh, okay, perfect. All right, let's move into this last piece. We're doing great on time, and y'all look great class. Oh, great tonight, the way we're interacting. Let me not say class. It's just family kicking it. The interaction is great. Everybody's attention is great. Give me a few more minutes of your attention so we can bring these things together, okay? Give me a few more minutes of your attention. Let me pause right here and say, why am I teaching this? Your mind has been trained as it relates to church that nothing has purpose or reason. It's itinerary. We go because we're supposed to go. It's the right thing to do. If you approach what we do with the Epic Nation that way, you miss out. We do nothing based on itinerary. When we meet, for those of you that, that literally when we meet, what's the first thing I'll say? We're married to nothing. The moment Wednesday nights don't produce, you will, say, you will hear me say, hey, we're not going to do Wednesdays anymore. I'll see you on Sunday. We do nothing just to do it. If Sundays ain't rocking, there ain't nothing in my Bible to tell me to meet on Sunday. I'll cancel it so quick and we'll do something else. Nothing is done based on religious ideas or just because we're supposed to do it. So let me explain to you why we are doing this. Because the missing link between, oh God, and you're going to hear me teach this. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Please hear this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Why many of us, I'm going to include me in it, have spent our life frustrated with faith? It's because on Sundays, typically, we get so inspired and we believe that God is going to do what I just heard in the sermon, which is true. He can. But until the inspiration of Sunday becomes the information of Monday and the transformation of Tuesday through Saturday, I'll forever live my life mad. If I'm inspired for what I am not informed about how to do and I don't transform my life through practices and principles, I'll forever be mad at God, preachers, and believe that the thing don't work. This whole faith thing is generic. It don't work. No, it's a user error. You never put batteries in it, boo. You never put batteries in it, bro. Man, I got to take this thing back. This thing don't work. Um, sir, did you ever put batteries? Oh, shoot. What's the battery of my faith? What's the battery of this? Application. It's not the sermon. It's not Sunday. It's not Wednesday. Sundays we still use for inspiration. We use Wednesdays for information. That's why we do what we do. So if you just come, attend, and listen while you're cooking, you've missed everything because you haven't given it your attention. And it is not what passes through the ear gate that changes your life. It is what is perceived, turned into wisdom and knowledge and applied. To know that, that fire is hot, but to never apply it into information to avoid touching fire is ignorance. So to know that something don't work, but to never apply it into a practice that you live out, it is not faith. It ain't the Bible. It ain't given. It's none of those things. When you hear me teach the lifestyle of the rich and famous, I am so aggravated, mad, upset, tired, frustrated with people making the brand of our faith look bad. With people making God look like he can't do what he can do. With people making this thing look like it ain't genuine. All my life is, is the ability to turn the inspiration of God into the information of God, into the daily life practice to transform my life. Because I know who he's created me to be. I know what people have told me to be. I change my personal truth by new words, new thoughts. If a lie can be perceived, remember the, the continuum 
of words and thoughts that makes up this gap between who I was created to be and who I've been told to be, I can change that. Hear what, hear what I say. Here's what, here's what I say. I was talking to a guy in the mall yesterday. I took my little nephew to the mall. We, we had an a, 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 a ice cream date, and he loved it. Ice cream and lemonade. And he did this little face and said, Uncle Marcus, this is the greatest day ever. <laughs> which, which, made, which made my day, right? <laughs> made my day. But here's what happened. This guy was telling me about, we was talking about Epic and all these different things. And he was talking about church. And, oh, man, what I really think is, man, you really got to do this, 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 and this. It's stuff that I didn't agree with. The old, younger me who lived in the personal truth of what people told me to be would have just sat quietly even if I disagreed and kept that to myself. The new me that understands the power of words and the subconscious thought, when someone say, well, man, it's going to take a long time, that's a word curse. You don't control the times and seasons of my life. Man, it's hard to date out here. You'll be looking for a long time. If I don't speak against that, I receive that word and that thought. So I said, so immediately, here's, I'm training you how to respond to this life. Guess what I said? I don't receive that. And then I said opposite what I do believe. I don't receive that, man. What we're going to do is blah, 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 blah. My mind now has rejected the thought, rejected the word, and received a new one. The atmosphere around me responds to those words. I heard a preacher say to me, man, it, man, people just don't commit the way they used to, bro. Yeah, it'll be a long time. Nah, no, it won't. I don't receive that. Anyone that knows me know, if you say something to me and, and I agree, you hear me say the words, I receive that. If I don't agree, if I'm in limbo, I'll say, hey, unpack that for me. So kind of tell me what, what that picture looks like for you. No, I don't receive that. No, I don't, I don't, I don't receive that. What I believe is this, or I'll apologize and say, hey, here's how I should have approached that. I should have did this, 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 and this. But on this, I, I believe this. Why am I telling you this? Because by faith we know, everybody remember, that the worlds were framed. The worlds of your life was framed by the, by the voice of God. The Bible says, when it says you're made in God's image, God is not black, ladies and gentlemen. He is not Latino. He's not Hispanic. He's not 5'10", 5'3". He's not 6'1", 6'3", 6'5", 6'7", 6'8". He's not 170, 190. He's not a size 1, size 3, size 5. He don't wear 10 and a half. He don't wear 11. He don't wear medium. He don't wear small. He don't have rock solid abs. He don't have a, he don't have a belly. When, I, when you hear me tell you you're made in the image of God, you are made with the same likeness and spirit to speak things into existence. The same power. Your spirit is like God. Your physical body is like your genetics. <laughs> your spirit is like God. Your physical body is like your genetics. So when I'm trying to be like God, I'm like what he created me, me to be in his image, a thinking, speaking spirit. With intellect, with personality, with charisma, with a, with a truth on the inside of me. So if somebody's saying something to you, over you, that ain't never going to work. That's a word curse. They just spoke words over you and you just going to take. If, if I'm stumbling, oh, shoot, and about to fall, do you move out of the way of it? So if I'm stumbling with my words, uh-uh, uh-uh, get that out of here. Why would I allow, I, I wouldn't allow you to spill, spill a drink on my shirt. Why would I allow you to spill your nasty thoughts on my life? I can wash my shirt. <laughs> oh God, you're teaching tonight. Is anybody understanding what I'm explaining to you right now? By that end, this is how you can live in a life that you never expected. Because, oh God, help me. I'm trying not to turn up. God, help me. I turn up, turn up. Please, please, everybody, please give me your mind for just, I mean, two minutes. I'm going to land this plane. And if you're spiritual, you're connecting to, to this vibe I'm on right now. If you are spiritual at all, you realize we move beyond a teaching and a preaching message into a whole nother space. If you are spiritual, you get that. If you are not spiritual, then you're like, okay, let me see what else he's going to say. We move beyond what else Mark is going to say into a whole nother space. And, and the way that you listen will be the way that you hear it. So please hear this part. Please hear this part. Please hear this part. By that end, when I'm talking about this is not what I expected, what I'm leading you into is to understand 
that your spirit has a memory. Your spirit can never forget God. Oh, Jesus, help me. Your spirit has a memory. It knows God intimately. It remembers what it was like when you were with God in eternity before he placed you in your parents' womb. Your spirit has a memory of what God has for you. Your spirit has a memory that says you're supposed to have this, be this, do this. The only reason you're in the earth is because your spirit remembers the purpose that God gave it. The life that you're living is not what you expected because you are living what you were told to be, not what you were created to be. And your discomfort, your uncertainty and your frustration is because your spirit is saying, I'm tired of living like this. Oh, I'm tired of feeling like this. And when you allow yourself to rewire the words and the thoughts. Oh, my goodness. And change your personal truth with the truth of what God told you about yourself. You can change your life. Your spirit knows. You, you can vote. You can vocally say, well, I'm OK right now. You know, I'm just I'm doing this, but I'm OK. But your spirit is in the like tied up. No, we're not. We're not OK. I mean, I'm good being single right now. You know what I'm saying? Give me time to really hang out, do things by myself. Your spirit like, no, we're not. We're not okay. We want this. But I was told I'm not supposed to want it. Well, I mean, I got a good job. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, I don't really have no problem with it. But your spirit like, no, you do. There's a level of life you want to live that you have grown accustomed to going alone to get alone. Your spirit like, let me out, bro. Just let me, just let me loose one time. Let me tap back into my God quality. Like, bro, just if you just hush for one minute and stop saying what you think you got to say for people to leave you alone. Stop making excuses for not being happy. Stop making excuses for not being okay. If you, bro, if your spirit got to be, some of you, your spirit got to be tripping like, bro, if you just hush for one moment and just let me loose. Let me step out on faith and try something. Let me do something. Man, let me loose, bro. Like, just let me try it. Let me stop. Let me stop living like this, settling for just, bro. If you just give me one month to go all in, I promise you, I got you. Just step back and let me get it. Let me do it. Let me try it. Get, bro, give me seven days of commitment. Just if you just chill and let me lead you for seven days for 14 days. OK, I did it for seven, bro. Give me seven more. Oh, 14. Oh, I did it for 14, bro. Give me give me seven more. You'll look up and in 30 days, one day at a time, your life could change. Oh, my God, let me loose. I, I, that's all I keep hearing. Let me loose. Bro, let me loose. Let, let me. The spirit inside of you is like, let me. Let me. Like, I really do want to trust people. I really like I don't really want to be guarded like this, bro. You like you. You got me locked in. I'm a loving person, but you got me hesitant to love people. Like, bro, let me loose. <laughs> let me go. Huh? Let me go. Like, this, this ain't even me. I, it's not even me to ration the portion of what I give of myself to people. I'm an all or nothing type of dude. <laughs> let, let me loose. Let me loose. Last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, as I recap, which I do a horrible job of recap. I teach. I was supposed to repeat Sunday, but I, I can't even do it if I want to. I got too much in me. The last but not least, I told you about painful conclusions. Whoo! Painful conclusions. When you hear me say the word painful conclusion, I feel like I feel a, a, a I feel healing that has to happen tonight. Like, I mean, it's a, it's it's special. It's special tonight. Like I, we, we're going to unravel somebody. It's special tonight. When you hear me say painful conclusion, it is when someone concludes a matter in their mind and in their heart as absolute as if it cannot change. It is when so someone concludes something as a solid that is a liquid. That, that it can't take new shape. It can't take new forms. When I take an idea, a concept, an emotion and make it a rock when it's really sand. Sand can be moved, manipulated, transformed where the, a painful conclusion is something to conclude or to shut the door on something. And it is one thing to guard something. It is another. Please hear me. It is one thing to put guards around something. It is another thing to put walls around it. A painful conclusion does not put guards around my ideas, my emotions, my thoughts. It put walls around it that does not allow new things to enter in. Guards 
secure things and only give access in and out to the people and things that are supposed to come in and out. I live in a place that a guard sits at the gate and has to let you in. Now, he's not very good, but I mean, let's just use this example. But (laughs) I live at a place where a guard has to let you in and out. That is very different from a wall being there that no one can come neither in or out. All he's looking for is to see why are you there and to ask me permission to let you in. God allows us to have guards up, but he doesn't want us to have walls up. Holy Spirit is my guard that determines who gets in, who gets out. Now, walls are put up that keeps either from happening and robs me. So when I come to a painful conclusion, I put walls around me that now I conclude a matter cannot change. People cannot change. And this conclusion, oh, come on, boy. This conclusion is not, does not, you do not come to the painful conclusion lightly. By the time you hear someone say an absolute thought like all men are dogs, all women cheat, no marriage lasts forever. Everybody got problems. I mean, churches aren't this. To come to an absolute statement, that statement is only, you only come to that statement when you've endured enough pain and you conclude it's easier to not expect than to ever go through that pain again. It is a painful process to come to that conclusion. No one comes to it lightly. Because you come to it after having your expectation broken so many times, you conclude you to not expect is easier. To put no hope, no faith, no trust in a thing is to put a wall and to conclude this just is what it is. It cannot change. It will not be different. It will not be better. It's just what it is. No one comes to that conclusion lightly. It is where I shut the door to the possibility of change. That I conclude that a person cannot change, that things cannot change. But the problem with this is I serve a God who can change anything, who can do anything anywhere with anybody. So to live in a space of a painful conclusion is to put up a wall that even locks God out. Because why would he want to live on the other side of that wall that does not allow for people, does not allow for things? And how does he get them to me? All of the answered prayers of God are done through people. So if, please hear this last statement, everybody, I didn't mention Sunday. When God answers my prayers and how the enemy is strategically robbing us is by this. If he can get me to not trust myself, where I'm afraid to make a decision to choose a thing or a person because I've chosen wrong, he robs me because I don't trust me anymore. I don't even trust the God in me to make a sound decision. So I'll live in indecision and, and cover it up with religious jargon like I'm waiting for confirmation. I don't, oh God, I, I'm just waiting on confirmation, waiting on a word. I say this all the time. Please remember it. Don't nobody need more confirmations than a person that don't plan on doing something. When you've already concluded you're not going to do it, you're not interested, you need a confirmation. But the thing you want to do, you don't need a confirmation on. <laughs> So if he can rob me of trusting myself, then I now live in indecision waiting to see something that I've already seen behind my eyes. I'm just waiting on God to show me, but he showed you already. So why does he have to show you again and again and again to trust him? So he's now I don't trust myself. I don't trust God and I don't trust people. How can any prayer be answered? Because God's going to do it through people, through me, and through, and through him. So a painful conclusion robs me of new experiences so I can never get the life that I expect. And I can't see what God is doing, so life will always look like not what I expected. Father, bless your people. We're right at 801. I want to teach them some more, some more so bad. Oh, you won't stop talking to me. Huh? Father, bless them. God, I ask you now for, for a distinct anointing. You told me that I can ask you for this, so I ask you freely, both. I hope you enjoy that message. And so do me a favor. If you enjoyed it, let us know that you enjoyed it. Join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Or you can join us Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
on Facebook or YouTube. On Wednesdays, we're on Zoom because we like to see each other. It's family night for us. We hang out, we laugh, we joke, we play. And on Sundays, we're on YouTube and on Facebook, okay? So if you say, Marcus, I'll forget. Life gets busy. We got you covered. You can text, hey, pause this. Listen to this. You ought to, come here, come here. I'm going to whisper. So it makes you turn the volume down. <laughs> All right. Joking. But you can text 74121, the word E-Nation, and we will personally send you a text message every Wednesday and every Sunday with the link to join us, as well as updates of all that is going on with the Epic Nation any day, anytime, anywhere. I'll talk to you in a minute. Have a phenomenal day. And don't forget, never be stingy with what you receive for free. Share this with somebody.